The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no fuller on earth could possibly bleach them. Then Elijah appeared to them along with Moses, and they were conversing with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus in reply, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He hardly knew what to say. They were so terrified. Then a cloud came, casting a shadow over them, and from the cloud came a voice. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone but Jesus alone with them. As they were coming down from the mountain, Jesus charged them not to relate what they had seen to anyone, except when the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what rising from the dead meant. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So this story of Abraham and Isaac and the voice of God is just about the worst story you could ever tell a little kid. You know, in a little kid's imagination, you know, particularly maybe a little boy's imagination, seven, eight years old, to hear this story is frightening beyond words. It's practically a nightmare. It's horrendous. How is it possible? Any little kid must wonder themselves when they hear this story. How is it possible? that a good and loving father like Abraham could even think about taking his, sin up, his son up to the top of the hill and sacrificing him there, sacrificing him to death. It doesn't matter what God said. Fathers don't do that. And what about God? What kind of God is this that he would demand such a thing of Abraham? <laughs> Any little kid would go home and have nightmares about this. What if God asked my dad? Stop there. You can't go further with the thought. So, how about little kids when they get a little bit older and they hear this story again? It still frightens them. It still makes them wonder about God. Loving God? Or God who asks people to take out their own children? as a sacrifice to him. Well, there must be a misunderstanding, of course. 
This can't be the way it would unfold. This must be, this must be, there must be something really wrong in this story. It's, it's got to be a misunderstanding. No father could do that and no God would do that. And the poor little kid, what a trauma for him if such a thing ever really happened. It, it must be that, that God's voice is not getting to Abraham correctly. You know, God's far away. He's up in the clouds. He's far distant. He doesn't have a body like we have. He, you know, he, 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 he speaks his own God language. And poor Abraham is old now and maybe a little bit daughtery. And maybe he's not hearing so good. Maybe that's where the problem is. That, that Abraham just misunderstood what God asked him. And maybe what God was really saying to him was, was Abraham... You know, I love your son, I love you, and I'm going to make you the father of many nations, and Isaac is the next one in line, so sacrifice everything to take care of him. Maybe that's what God was trying to say. You know, Abraham, and in his old age, in his daughtery ways, and his poor hearing, heard something completely different. Maybe, who knows? That's a nine-year-old kid's explanation of a story that's just too hard to bear for a little kid. If that were the explanation, if it all was just a big misunderstanding so that God has to go down and stop Abraham from doing something really awful, then it sets up understanding, hearing from a different angle, maybe in a new way, the second great story of the second Sunday of the Lenten season. So, in this second story, the Gospel story, Mark tells us that Jesus takes his three best disciples, Peter, James, and John, and and he takes them up a mountain, just like Abraham takes Isaac up a mountain. And on top of mountains, we know that in the Jewish tradition, that's always where God reveals himself. You know, that's always a holy place. A thin place, a place where, where you can see and hear God better than down on the low ground. So, so Jesus takes them up, and once they get to the top, something extraordinary happens. <laughs> There's no altar there for a sacrifice. Rather, Jesus himself, whom they have come to love and know, but do not yet fully understand, You know, Peter and James and John, they love Jesus. They've been with him now for a couple of years. They they listen to his words. He moves them. He inspires them. They see them as possible, you know, a great prophet at the very least, and maybe the Messiah, in their own understanding, the Messiah. I mean, they love this guy, and they know he loves them. So they have a good relationship. But it's clear from Mark's gospel that they do not really yet understand who he is in the depths of his being. And so Jesus, with just this select three, shows them who he is. Yes, flesh and blood, the same Jesus you've always known, the same Jesus you've walked with and talked with and eaten with and all of that stuff, the same Jesus, flesh and blood, the one who talks and listens and chats with you, the one who puts his arm around your shoulder, this very same Jesus is also God. And he shows them his glory, maybe for just a moment or two. He's transformed, he's transfigured, no, exactly, not exactly. His truth 
shines forth. They see beyond the surface of Jesus and they're allowed to see the glory that resides in him, the divine glory that resides in him. That's what's happening up on this mountain. They're encountering God in Jesus and Jesus in God. It's a spectacularly beautiful moment. And, and what does it say? It says that God is no longer far, far away up in the sky somewhere. It says that, that God now has a human voice down here for us. That the great God of Abraham and Moses and Elijah, the great God of Israel who created everything, is now here with us. God can now touch us with real hands. God can now speak to us with real words we understand right in our ear. God can now whisper in our ears and we can hear it now. We don't have to strain. There's no room for misunderstanding now. God is now walking with us on the paths across the face of this earth, on the earth he first created. God has a voice, and it's a voice like ours. God has a touch, it's the same touch we feel every day. God can now love us as one of us. So much so, that in the Gospel of John, a completely different tradition, John says Jesus is the Word, with a capital W, the Word of God, the Spirit of God, the breath of God, the very grace of God, is Jesus, made flesh, building his tent among us. And so what happens here then is Peter and James and John Maybe not fully, but at least they get a glimpse of what's really happening here in Jesus. God speaks to them in Jesus' voice. God touches them in Jesus' hand. God walks with them, indeed, with Jesus' own feet. God is no longer far away. We can now hear God. We can now understand God. We no longer can make excuses for not understanding God well. And how does Jesus speak to us with words indeed? He teaches us things like the Beatitudes. He, he, he teaches us things through the beautiful parables that come out of his mouth and out of his heart, out of God's heart. And on top of the words, he also teaches us through his deeds. Every touch where he heals someone, every touch where he forgives someone, that's God speaking to us. This is how I am. This is who I am. It's a world of difference between Abraham trying to listen to God in the distance and Peter and James and John and the others listening to God in Jesus' Jesus' final word, of course, is a word of sacrifice. 
everything that we'll celebrate in Holy Week, everything that we read about in those last pages of the Gospels. It's a self-sacrifice, it's a pouring out, it's a saying to us finally, not so much through words, but through gestures and deeds, that he loves even, even those who are plotting his death, even those who are nailing him to a cross, even those who are piercing him with a sword, even those who are laughing at him as he dies upon that cross, he embraces them and loves them and forgives them. And that's his great sacrifice of love. Instead of a child being put on an altar and slaughtered, it's Jesus extending his arms to all of us and loving us to the end so that we can know how we are to live in this world as God asks us so that we can live his forgiveness, so that we can live his mercy, so that we can live his love without end, this pouring himself out kind of love. That's what gives us life. Jesus teaches us. He speaks to us. And this is why the words of this gospel story that are most important to it are the simple words that they hear. God speak to them. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Listen to him. Listen to him.